Amen. Hey, we're once again on our study, World Religions, Cult and the Uncle, number 13, part two of Charismatic Chaos. And the tagline is, Debbie? <laughs> Give it up for Debbie. You've been practicing all week, but we won't tell everybody, but I guess we just did. Hey, that's right. We got so much ground to cover. We are just going to blow through our recap. That's right. We're doing part two, which is the history dispelling the myth that this is all just the latest movement of God. That's why it's so weird and, and doesn't make sense to you. No, it's the same baloney that's been going on throughout church history. Now, fast forward where we've been the last few weeks is on the 1950s. The 1950s and the uh, charismatic tent revivals. Basically, instead of going to them, now they're moving out to you unfortunately, spreading all over the place. We saw that basically two big threads came out of that movement. Unfortunately, the first is a guy named Oral Roberts, and that led to the wolf. Can you say wolf? Wolf? Okay, that's actually Word of Faith, so in case you're wondering what that acronym is. Uh, the Word of Faith movement, we already dealt with that. But what we've been dealing with the last few times is the second branch coming off is this guy also, William Branham. And boy, we had that one study on him, and he's, what's the word we learned? What are you, what are you supposed to call it? Wackadoodle. That's right. Wackadoodle. Just call it what it is. It's a wackadoodle. Uh, man, we're done. But unfortunately, it didn't uh, stay with him. He launched basically what we saw. Uh, was the uh, uh, NAR movement, the New Apostolic Reformation. Okay, we're going to see the picture there. There he is on the left there. Okay, and basically, again, sometimes it's confusing because they come with so many different terms. Let me just call a couple of them out. The New Apostolic Reformation. Okay, it's also known as Dominionism, Third Wave, Latter Rain, Kingdom Now, Joel's Army, Manifest Sons of God, and that's right, Charismatic Renewal. But that's what this guy did. Oral Roberts went this way with the Word of Faith. These guys do it too, but these guys also are big on the NAR, New Apostolic Reformation. Now, that's the key word there is the middle uh, letter, apostolic. Apostolic. They believe that they're apostles. In fact, they're such apostles, they're super apostles. They're better than the actual biblical apostles, which is not true. That's not in function today. But they believe with their superpowers, they're going to take over the planet, and they have to be these super apostles, okay, in order for Jesus to come back. Complete arrogance as we saw. Now, it's coming out of the thread. Uh, it was coming out of the Toronto movement. Now, I haven't covered that in this section not because I'm skipping it, because if you recall, we've already dealt with the Toronto movement in a previous study, right? But I want to bring it up to just so you know, that's what is feeding the NAR movement. We also dealt with the aspect of IHOP, not the pancake place, but the International House of Prayer, and you don't want to be praying what they pray. And, and so we took a look at that, and that certainly is this guy, Mike Bickle, a uh, big promoter of the NAR movement, as we already dealt with. But we looked at the men and women, just like the Word of Faith movement. It's men and women promoting this unfortunate heresy, the latest one from the charismatic movement, the Na uh, New Apostolic Reformation. We saw people like C. Peter Wagner, and uh, remember, 600 bucks, Reed, you could be an apostle. That's apparently all it takes. Okay, <laughs> and then a Rick Joyner, and then the ladies, of course, getting into it. We got uh, Cindy Jacobs, remember? Don't even try it. I know you, you, you know what that word is, but don't repeat it. Just, what, what, hey, let's, let's do it to her. What's, what's, what's the term? Wackadoodle. That's right, wackadoodle, right? Wackadoodle. And then Stacey Campbell, okay, who wondered why her son broke her neck or his neck or something. I just don't know, Debbie. It just escapes my mind. But anyway, let's move on. Okay, but anyway, so we dealt with that. Now, uh, what we're going to get into tonight is what we've been seeing. One of the angles that the NAR movement, okay, seduces uh, the younger crowds into, the first ones we saw has been this issue of social justice, right? Because that's their whole backbone of their heresy is we've got to take over the planet to save the planet, to usher in this new kingdom for Jesus to come back. And, and for those that want to make a difference in the world, with all due respect, that's very appealing to them. Okay, so that's what. My, what we're going to get into tonight is they use another thing called music 
Music is huge with the NAR movement and these false teachings because it seduces people into that camp. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we get into the music section, okay, and how they do that, we need to back up a little bit because he's back out there in action, Kenneth Copeland. Okay, Kenneth Copeland, as we recall, back in our study, he had that hit, I guess hit, I don't know, maybe you want to hit it and break it because you don't ever want to listen to it again, but it's called, it was this so-called hit. Remember that song, Pledge of Love? And, 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 and don't say I don't love you because I'm not going to make you listen to that again. Okay, so we're going to skip that. But remember that? Well, apparently, because remember the COVID thing? Because he's got these super godlike powers. He, he commanded the COVID-19 virus to disappear on March 29th. Still ain't happening. Now, if he was a true apostle and these guys were true apostles, those things would happen. They would be able to raise the dead like a true apostle, miracles and stuff. They can't do none of this stuff. So if anything, all this COVID-19 stuff is exposing these guys for what they are, false teachers, false apostles, hairless ticks, and all that other stuff. But he's come out with uh, apparently a couple of other songs. I don't know, to try to reach out to people to make up ground because he really just exposed himself with his COVID-19. But believe it or not, he's come out with COVID-19 songs. Okay, in case you're wondering, in case you're wondering, I was able to, uh, just my CSI capabilities, I was able to find them. Now, the first one, apparently, he's trying to reach the metal crowd, right, the heavy metal crowd. So let, let's see if you like this one, right? Here we go. You point break up, you point break up, go, 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 go. You point break up, you point break up, go, 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 go. You point break up, 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 go, go. Yeah, that's about all I can take, too. Uh, but anyway, so that's apparently the metal version. Now, apparently, uh, you know, and man, I used to be into that stuff. And I, 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 you know, maybe that song's even better than that. But anyway, that's right, unfortunately. But, but hey, he's, he's not stopping. He's now come out with, uh, apparently that one was a flop, like the other one. But anyway, so uh, he's now come out with, I don't know, it, it sounds to me a little bit like a rap, like a, like a COVID-19 rap song. So I don't know, maybe you guys like this one. Let's take a look. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. the word 
Wackadoodle. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh, that would be funny if it weren't so true. What a joke. The whole thing's a joke, right? But if anything, it's exposing these guys are hucksters. They're false teachers, okay? Uh, and they're seducing people with it. Now, all joking aside, okay, this is another thing that people are doing. What's the theme tonight? The theme is music. So certainly you wouldn't want to be listening to Kenneth Copeland's apparent new songs, would you? I don't. I had to listen to that several times. I had to put that together. So pray for me. I got to get that out of my brain. But anyways, uh, no, they're doing that with music to do, okay? Now, what we're going to deal with tonight on the music section, just a, a heads up, we're not going to deal with the, the NAR movements, the music that's uh, being passed off today's uh, so-called Christian worship, the, the stuff that's absolutely just repetitive, monotonous, over and over again. We'll get into that a little bit, but we're not going to get into how they use the music for 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half long just to get people into an altered state of consciousness. We've already dealt with that in part one, I believe also in part two, how that, that's how they induce people after getting into an altered state of consciousness because you can do that by way of not just drugs, you can do that by way of repetitive speech, repetitive movement, repetitive singing over and over and over again. The Hindus do that, the, the uh, New Age does that, the occult does that as we saw. I'm not gonna deal with that aspect of the music. Okay, but that is what they do to induce people with, I got a vision from God. Well, yeah, something's probably going to happen to you if you've been jumping up down for an hour and a half saying the same verse over and over again, okay, uh, or chorus line, okay? We're not going to deal with that. But what we are going to deal with is how they seduce people, okay, with so-called, keyword, so-called Christian worship music into the NAR movement, okay? But before we do that, let's get back to what the Bible says is the true purpose of music, and that's in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Let's take a look here. Ephesians chapter 5, of course, was written to the Ephesians. That's two for two, man. You've got to celebrate on the way home, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and uh, through 20, let's take a look. What is the true purpose of music? Why do you mean sing music? And, you know, is that just, that's something you do as a Christian. Stand up, sit down, read the bulletin, and sing songs. Uh, well, hopefully there's more than to it than just that. Let's take a look. Verse 17, therefore Paul says, do not be what? Don't be unwise. Some translations say foolish. Don't be a fool, right? But understand what the Lord's will is, right? He says, first of all, don't get drunk on wine. Don't be slamming down a bunch of alcohol. Why? He says, what's that do? That leads to debauchery. We all know that. Back in the days before you got saved and you're drinking a bunch of alcohol and boy, oh, what happened? He started doing some dumb, dumb sinful stuff, right? He says, don't do that, man. That leads to debauchery. And why? Because at that moment in time, you were under the control of what? Alcohol, right? Now, now he uses that as an analogy. He says, instead, what should you be doing, Christian? You should be filled with the Spirit. Now, key word there, I gotta explain this. We've dealt with this before, but the key word there is filled. Okay, filled literally means to be under the control of. Okay, it doesn't mean like you're empty and you need to be filled because you're lacking in the Holy Spirit. That's a lie. Okay, that's a false teaching. We're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and the object of the Christian every day as we walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit, it's not that we need more of the Holy Spirit. We've already got Him. It's that we get out of the way, if you will, and He begins to bear his fruit through us love joy peace patience galatians 5 paul talks about that so what he's saying is you need to be not filled like you're trying to fill a bucket literally in the greek there it means to be under the control of and that makes sense because he says basically don't get drunk on wine in other words don't let alcohol control you because if you do that it's going to lead to debauchery he said instead let the spirit of god control you right and so he says well how do you do that 
Well, that's when you're walking and living, keeping step of the Spirit. Well, how does that happen? And he goes to music is one of the ways that you walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit. You do what? You speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing and make music uh, to the lost and whatever they like because that's what you're trying to do is attract them with the me- I'm sorry, wrong translation. What's it saying there? Uh, sing and make music to your heart to the who? It's to the Lord, right? Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's the biblical reason why we sing music. In fact, I like what Sebastian Bach said. He said, uh, the sole purpose of all music is to bring praise to God. It's like you read Ephesians chapter five. That's why we are. We're, it's not for our entertainment. It's not to put on a show. When Rob and the worship team gets up there, we're not to be out there with scorecards going, well, that was a nine. Well, I really didn't like that one song. That's a five, that's a four. No, it's there to worship who? Jesus is to be God honoring, God glorifying, and, and music that is reflecting God and his truth, right? And that's a way that we gather as Christians. We teach God's word, but we also sing praises to him that is God honoring, God glorifying, and God exalting. Why? Because that's just what you do. No, it's because we love him. As he says, we're thankful, right? And you just, it just, when, sometimes, you know, maybe it's, uh, when you get happy, you're full of joy or you fall in love with that special person and music and you sing songs and just, yeah, and, and read, I'm sure, when you met Debbie, you, you busted out the guitar and wrote, wrote a song for her and, yeah, whatever. But anyway, but anyway, I digress. But anyway, so, but no, that's what people do. Oftentimes when they're happy, they sing, right? When they're joyful, they're thankful, they sing, right? And that's the same thing. We sing because we are thankful for what God's done and given us Jesus. And so when we get together, we sing songs. Again, it's all about that. We're thankful, we're grateful, but it's about God. It's about what he's done for us. The focus is on him. It's worship songs, right? Now that's what it's supposed to be, but that's not what it is today. Now, part of it, believe it or not, spills back to this guy back here, C. Peter Wagner. We saw last week he wasn't just a guy who promoted, unfortunately, the NAR movement, okay, but the what? Church growth movement, right? That it's numbers at all cost. And that's what's happening, not with just churches behind the pulpit, that they refuse to preach the word of God because you can't talk about hell or prophecy or wrath or sin. <laughs> and I'll make the numbers go down. And if your total goal is all about numbers, then you can't do that. Well, it's the same thing with music. Because of C. Peter Wagner and the church growth movement, they say don't just neuter basically your so-called sermons from the pulpit, okay, they say you need to do the same thing to your songs, your quote songs, okay, and you need to cater your songs off to uh, basically what was pleasing to the world, even if it means deliberately skipping lyrics, which I'll get to in a second, that might convict them just like the word of God could convict them, so you skip those passages. They do the same thing with music, and they even gut the name of Jesus and just make it something generic, and they say, well, because again, they might get offended, they might leave, Right, and there's two big parts to every Sunday service. You know, you, you you don't just preach the word; you sing songs. So you got to basically neuter everything to keep those numbers coming. Now it sounds nuts, but that really is the trend in the church today. Okay, in fact, let me give you just one common example of basically fluffy, nonsensical music today that's being passed off as so-called Christian worship. Remember, the context we just read is basically it is to be God-honoring, God-glorifying, God-exalting. It's all about God, right? It's something that we could utilize and just say, thank you, Jesus, for whatever, okay? It certainly is not just a bunch of repetitive, nonsensical fluff, okay? But here's a popular song out there, and frankly, I agree, uh, it's pretty fluffy. Let's take a look. All right, how's that? 
Yeah, how? Okay, that's enough. Please stop. This song doesn't say anything, and there's eight minutes of this? Why is the consumer-driven church so taken in by commercially sold ambiguous praise and worship choruses that can mean whatever you want them to mean? All right, so I probably answered my own question there. This is how I fight my battles with God's Word. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 11, says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. The scripture goes on to describe the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and put on the helmet of salvation. But in this ensemble, there's only one weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We read in 2 Corinthians 10, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. That's how you fight your battles. So if you would sing the song, but if you start maybe start quoting scripture for about Ephesians 6 and the word of God and using that, then hey, you got a case for your song. But over and over again, just this repetitive, nonsensical, fluffy stuff, what in the world is going on? But that's typical of so-called Christian music. In fact, my theory is much of what's called Christian worship music is not really Christian worship is the key word there, music. If it's going to be worshiping, who's it drawing attention to? God, as we saw, Ephesians 5, God honoring, God glorifying, God exalting. It's not. If anything, I would say you need to be honest with it. It's not Christian worship music. It's Christian entertainment. And dare I say, it's Christian fluffy, worldly entertainment music. Okay, it's what it is. So at least be honest with that. But it isn't just fluffy, repetitive nonsense like you saw that example. Again, this is just a pet peeve. I, I, we, we've talked about this many times before. It's even gutted of the name of Jesus, right? It even, we just, we're getting ready. Ephesians 5 is what? Give thanks to who? To God, for Jesus, give Jesus. What's wrong with Jesus, right? And it's even neutered, right? They, they don't say he, it's he or him. And again, as we've, we've talked before, who's he? Who's him? Is that your husband? Is that your father? Is that your fiance? Who's him? What's wrong with saying Jesus, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. Why would you gut a worship song that's supposed to encourage people to worship Jesus, but you refuse absolutely ever to mention Jesus? It's not, but it's commonplace today as well as repetitive, non-fluffy uh, 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 stuff, okay? Uh, but again, I, I, as I shared before, I think there's two reasons why uh, this has happened. Even to not just behind the pulpit that it's a bunch of fluff, but the music is a bunch of fluff and you specifically have gutted it of the name of Jesus. I think it's spiritual warfare, right? Number one, put yourselves in the shoes of a demon, right? Uh, what is the last name you ever want to hear, let alone people singing over and over again? Come on, it's, it's the name of Jesus Christ, obviously, right? Why? Because there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. And number two, there's no other name under heaven that demons must cower, flee, and obey. So listen, so what you did with the church growth movement, the lie that started back here, one of the people was C. Peter Wagner promoting this lie. You got your sermons, you got your music. You didn't just make it comfortable for the lost. You actually made it comfortable for demons. I can stick around now because they never mentioned Jesus. Isn't that wild? And yet that's the church today. Again, not just the church growth movement, not just the word of God they've neutered, but it's the music as well, okay? But it's not just fluffy, repetitive nonsense. It's not just gutted of the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, it's bad theology, 
right? Bad theology. And let me give you some examples I've shared before. They are now changing the name and, and the lyrics of songs that might actually convict somebody. And you don't want that to happen because remember, it's all about numbers and I don't want them to leave. Let me give you a couple examples I've shared before in other studies. Number one, we've seen before, Amazing Grace has actually been changed, right? Amazing Grace has saved up. Don't, don't say that. Are you trying to destroy your self-esteem? I mean, you're gonna make the numbers go down. If you keep people repeating that word wretch, they're gonna feel bad about themselves. They'll never come back. And according to the church growth movement, that would hurt your top goal, which is all about numbers. As crazy as that is, they're not only changing it, listen to what they're doing. They're saying uh, a amazing grace that saved a person like me is one version out there now, or a soul like me, or one says that saved and set me free. They skipped the whole thing entirely because you can't have people saying wretches. Uh, even though that is a biblical term. Uh, another song, Victory in Jesus, right? I heard an old, old story how our Savior came from glory. He gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Hey, no more because, right, you don't want people to leave. So let's gut that song too. And they've actually changed it to Victory in Jesus to quote, to, to not save a wretch like me, to save one just like me. Oh, doesn't that feel better? That'll keep somebody coming back next week, right? Let me give you another one. The song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, How Vast Beyond All Measure, That He Should Give His Only Son to Save, uh, to Make a Wretch His Treasure, is now just being gutted to, to make us all His treasure. And again, you can't say anything from the pulpit, sin, hell, wrath, prophecy, none of that stuff. And now they're doing it, and they've been doing it, frankly, for a while, to the music. Okay, uh, let me give you another one. In Christ alone, you're going, what's wrong with that song? Well, I kid you not, uh, there's a line in there that they just cannot tolerate. It's gonna make people flee. Uh, it says here in the stanza, till on that cross as Jesus died, listen, the wrath of God was satisfied. Well, you can't call people wretches and you can't talk about wrath of God. That might make your numbers go down. So they've actually changed it now to as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Oh, that'll keep them coming back. It's sick. So again, it's not just nonsensical, fluffy stuff and also gutted of the name of Jesus. You're purposely retching out theology, right? And it's, it's unfortunate, okay? And then frankly, as we're gonna see, they're inserting bad theology into their songs, okay? Now, wh- why is this uh, I- important? Because what's the old axiom that we've been learning through our study? In part two, the history, those who don't learn their history are what? Doomed to repeat it. And it's the same thing. Believe it or not, even way back here in early church history, guess what the false teachers used to use to get people to repeat false teaching about Jesus? Specifically, typically, it was uh, they would attack the deity of Jesus. Music, absolutely right. They would use music. And the reason why is because they know, because music has a way of getting stuck in your head. If you put something, any words, whatever it is, to music, commercials do the same thing. Uh, you know, I am stuck on Band-Aid because Band-Aid stuck on me. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. I mean, how long were those commercials? And they're still stuck in my brain, unfortunately, right? Over and over again, right? And, and, and I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. I see everybody knows that, right? Except, well, maybe not the millennials, but we'll, we'll I, never mind. I digress. But anyway, but why? Because they know jingles get stuck in your head. Music gets stuck in your head. Same thing today. But that's what they did back then. Guess what is being done today? 
The false teachers, including the false teachers in the NAR movement, are using music, not just nonsensical, fluffy stuff, got it under the name of Jesus, okay, uh, to, to uh, help keep the numbers uh, growing from the church growth movement, but they're inserting bad theology into them, okay, and just music in general is sucking these uh, so-called uh, Christians in. Now, let me give you a, a case uh, example of bad theology inserted into a relatively new song, okay, that uh, is apparently popular, uh, but it's bad Bible, right? Let me give you an example of that. There's a popular Christian song entitled Reckless Love, sung by Corey Asbury of Bethel Church in Redding, California. The first verse goes like this. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. So far, or should I say so, so far, the song is all right. Psalm 139.4 says that before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it all together. Romans 2.4 says that God shows his kindness toward us to lead us to repentance. But then we get to the chorus where he sings... Uh, what? The love of God is reckless? A word that means without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action? Not only is that an unbiblical description of God's love, the artist contradicted himself. In the first verse, he sang, Before I spoke a word and before I took a breath, you were good and kind to me. But then he sings that God's love is thoughtless and careless. The Bible says that God chose his elect before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. That's not reckless. That's foreordained. Don't sing this reckless fluff. Praise God for who the Bible says he is. You know, that should be in the Bible somewhere. You praise God, you sing music for who he is correctly, biblically. Yeah, it's called Ephesians 5. You already read that text, okay? But again, the NAR movement does this. They seduce people in with music, not only with the fluffy stuff and the gutted of the name of Jesus that works with the other half of that movement about the church growth movement aspect, but they seduce people in with their bad theology. And dare I say, just this music nonstop, sounds good, it appeals to the flesh, and they pass it off as worship. Now, we're going to get to two of the biggest ones tonight because that's all I can deal with. And again, I can't get to all of them. There's just so many, but I want to hit the two biggest ones. And the first one, of course, is Bethel. Okay, Bethel Music, okay, out of Reading. And uh, they're a charismatic megachurch. We've seen them a few times before in our studies out of Redding, California. Uh, they are currently being led by this guy, uh, Bill Johnson. And, of course, they're noted for their music label called Bethel Music. Okay, we're talking multi-million dollar industry out of their music. Okay, and it's going nuts. Uh, It's music label. They also have another one called Jesus Culture. Okay, which we'll get to in a second. But that's also Bethel. Different name than Bethel Music, but it's come from the same source. Uh, But Bethel Music gained popularity within the contemporary worship music. And it's also known for their teachings on so-called miracles and other stuff we'll get to in a second. And the so-called Bethel School of Supernatural Ministries that have 2,000 students annually. But of course, they're being criticized for some of their practices. So while all this so-called Christian worship music is going on, which I don't think a lot of it has anything to do with being thankful and grateful for Jesus, okay, because they're frankly there for the show. And the show starts apparently after you've been doing this over and over and over again for a long time and, and you start having experience. 
And as we've seen before in some of that repetitive uh, stuff over and over again, and again, the whole time you're doing that, you're not in the Word of God, okay? Uh, then you get into an altered state of consciousness. And I'm not discounting that you might have heard something or felt something or had some sort of a spiritual encounter, but that doesn't make it the Spirit of God. And you know it's not the Spirit of God when a bunch of heresy comes out from that so-called encounter. But Bethel Church is known for their focus on so-called miracles, faith, healing, everything from supposedly curing cancer, regrowing limbs, raising the dead, speaking in gibberish, and of course, prophecy, because they got a new word from God. Because remember, this is just old hat. These guys are super apostles now. They got a new, new word, and that's what we need to listen to. Don't turn to that. That's all fuddy-duddy stuff. Now, during these so-called worship services, right? Now, remember, you're supposed to be there, as we just read Ephesians 5. It's about Jesus, God honoring, God glorifying, God exalting. And it's just, it's the, our tensions on Jesus. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, when you, uh, at their services, so-called, they, they quote, here's what they're doing. They're constantly laughing uncontrollably. This is at Bethel. Lying on the floor, shaking, staggering, screaming, dancing. And then you do it long enough and they have claimed now that angels have appeared with balls of electricity that throw people into the air. Did you guys read that in Ephesians 5 there? Did you? I don't, maybe, maybe I read it too fast. I'll have to go back. I don't know. This is nuts. Now, do you think, does that, what's that going to do with Jesus? Being thankful for what Jesus, this is all for the show, the charismatic show. And music becomes that tool to get you to that show, apparently. Okay, now, one of the most well-known phenomenon that we've seen before in our other studies is what they call the glory cloud. And, uh, and they've even claimed that the gold dust uh, is coming out of the air. And, and uh, this gold dust, and uh, uh, people said, or actually is gold glitter that has been falling from the roof of the auditorium, which I concur because we saw the video of the interview. Remember the person admitting? They were one of the people who, that was their job at the appropriate time to put it in the air duct vents and, and the AC system blows it out. Bunch of chicanery, okay? Uh, but they called that the glory cloud. Now, many have questioned their, uh, the authenticity of those occurrences, mm-hmm. and uh, questions have also been raised by the authenticity of their so-called apostolic and prophetic ministry. And again, as we saw, Bethel is a part of, Bill Johnson, of course, is a part of uh, the NAR movement, who they believe he's an apostle, a prophet, and all that baloney, which is not in uh, function today. But they're also combined also with other heresies as well, as we've been seeing through our charismatic chaos study, and that is not just the occult practices and things of that nature, altered state of consciousness, but even with new age. Now, let me call this guy out. His name is Chris Volaton, and uh, he's one of Bethel's leaders, Okay, and uh, he says in their book, and we again, we, we talked about their book in the previous studies. We talked about their book in the New Age study that we went through for 12 weeks. So again, I'm not gonna go down deep in that. You want more, go back to those studies. But just by way on this topic of Bethel, what's coming out of Bethel, okay? Uh, the book called Physics of Heaven, right? Is not only out of line with the teachings of the scripture, okay? But it obviously promotes New Age. In fact, Chris Valatum, uh, says it's a quote foretaste of things to come really so out of Bethel you're going to start promoting more and more new age in fact listen to his quote what he said he said the, uh, the book states quote it wasn't that I wanted to listen listen he said it wasn't that I wanted to become a new ager this guy's supposed to be a Christian it wasn't that I wanted to become a new ager I just wanted to find out maybe that they had discovered some truths that the churches hadn't so he admits that there's a merger of new age into their thinking and all this baloney that's going on, right? But people, when you, and here's the problem with their music, right? People listen to the music. It's not just a bunch of fluff by and large. Okay, you might say, well, this song's pretty good, but, but here's the point. The music eventually just, just trace the trail. 
people listen to the music, they go, oh, wow, that was a great song. Okay, and then they go, what are they gonna do? Who's this from? And then they go, oh, it's from Bethel. Who's Bethel? And they're gonna go look, and they go, wow, these guys are good. They got great music. Maybe I need to pay attention. And they get introduced into the heresy because of the music. Notice I didn't even talk about the fluff, the bad theology, the gutting of the name of Jesus. Music itself from a heretical movement, why are you listening to it? And why are you encouraging people to listen to it when they're probably going to go back and get acquainted with this heretical group? Okay, but I digress. In 1998, Bethel Church began uh, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. There's another thing going on there. Under the direction of this Chris Volaton guy who's admitting that, hey, New Age got something too. Uh, he, by the way, is Bethel's senior associate pastor. Uh, the school trains its students in the supernatural miracles, faith healing, yeah, 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 and in order to become revivalists. Now, what's that? That's the NAR movement mindset that you guys need to go in this world with these superpowers and you need to take over dominion territory. Little by little, we're going to take over the planet in order to do that so we will rule the planet. Remember that? Woo, arrogance. And then Jesus can come back. So that's what is being trained at this place. Now, if you don't think it's a mixture of new age and the occult of what's going on here, let alone bad teaching, false teaching, the school, Bethel's School of Supernatural Ministry, I'm not making this up, they have a nickname. And you know what the nickname is? Christian Hogwarts, Hogwarts, which is the school Harry Potter and the Harry Potter you went to. What does that tell you? This is a Christian version, Christian Hogwarts. Okay, uh, because they're focused on the supernatural. They have today, they have 2,000 students annually. Just keep cranking these babies out. They've got uh, 10,000 alumni. Uh, but again, they're known, really, how do people even find out about Bethel, Reading? When's the last time you guys went to Reading? Who even knows where Redding, California is? Most people don't. I used to pastor not too far from there, uh, so I actually know where that's at. But most people don't, right? So how do they do it? I'm telling you, it's the music. They may never have heard of Bill Johnson yet. They may never have heard of the lies and got indoctrinated to the false teachings of the New Apostolic Reformation yet, but they hear the music that's coming out of this heretical movement, and they go back, and that's how they get acquainted with him. That's the danger of this. Bethel music, uh, their music, listen, was the, among the most played contemporary worship music in American churches. This is the big gun, if you will. This is what people around the United States are relying upon for their music, right? And uh, again, their live performances of their songs are characterized by their extended duration with lots of repetition and emotion. Over and over and over and over. Yeah, you're going to have a vision. You know, you keep shaking your head and jumping up and down. Something's going to happen to you. Okay, but that doesn't make it from God. Now, the second thing that's coming out of their music, it's not just Bethel music. It's another one coming out of there that's called Jesus Culture. Okay, is another uh, section of music. Uh, is uh, Bethel Church is responsible for the Jesus Culture Youth Outreach Ministry. So this is kind of like the version for the youth, but still music. Uh, Jesus Jesus Culture Music hosts conferences, operates uh, a record label. They've got their own record label called Jesus Culture Music, and to quote share their message and spread worship. Well. Sorry, I don't, I'm not convinced that you're actually really worshiping Jesus. You're trying to get to a show and a bunch of hype and who knows what else is coming in there. Uh, and uh, so I don't call that worship, but what's their message you're spend, uh, spreading? They admit it. They use the music. It says right here to what? To, uh, to share its message and spread worship. What's their message? It's the lies of the NAR movement and who knows what else. And the guy just admitted also new age now. Why would you promote that? Why would you listen to that? 
Why would you let somebody, why would you purposely do that? Because you know it's gonna get them into uh, false teaching, all right? They remain committed to Bethel Church, this Jesus culture music, but were sent out by Bethel in 2012 to plant a church in Sacramento, California, right? Now, let's get back, that's the music section, let's get back to just some of their false teachings that are coming out of Bethel that if you listen to the music and get acquainted with them and think they're great, you're gonna get sucked into it as well. Uh, Bethel Reading has uh, become associated with, quote, manifesting the presence and glory of God. So apparently when you sing their music long enough, it's so incredible, so supernatural, and so powerful that God will show up. That right there is bad theology because last time I checked, the Bible says God is omnipresent. And we're also his temple, 1 Corinthians 3.16. He indwells us by his spirit. So wherever we go, there he is. When did he ever leave? So what do you, that's bad theology, right? But again, that's their mindset. And that's also their mindset of misunderstanding Ephesians 5, apparently. They think, well, we gotta, we gotta jump up and down. We gotta sing music forever until we feel this emotional high and that emotional high and speaking in gibberish. That's a sign that the spirit of God is filling us. No, the spirit of God doesn't fill you. He's already there. He's omnipresent and he's inside of you. It, word, that word means to be under the control of. And if anything, your repetitive music that you're doing is getting people out of control, not of the control of the Holy Spirit, but dare I say a different spirit altogether, okay? But that's what uh, is going on there. Uh, Number one problem. And again, the other thing that they promote is so-called glory clouds, gold dust, and as we saw before, again, in our studies, remember the angel feathers? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they promote that. And they say that the angel feathers, when their music is so powerful, so incredible, so supernatural that glory clouds appear, the God appears, he was already there, uh, God appears, uh, and, and then gold dust and angel feathers start falling from the ceiling. That's how powerful this. Well, first of all, did you know, again, that's bad theology. Angels, shocker, do not have feathers, right? There's no verse that can support that. That's called unbiblical, right? Uh, not even close, Okay, and so obviously that's absurd and unbiblical. Likewise, in the Bible, listen, whenever the glory of God, the real glory of God was actually manifest, uh, people not only freaked out, sometimes they died, right? But that's not what this is all about. Well, let's take a look at that. Bethel Church in Redding, California, manipulates audiences by piping in fog through the ventilation system, calling it glory clouds, an actual manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's a fog machine. They do this with gold dust and feathers, too, saying they're actual angel feathers. I wondered if it's okay to, for us to run to a corner of a room and stand and watch and take pictures. I... I think he rather enjoys it. I think he <laughs> Someone might say, well, do you know for certain they're using a fog machine? What's your proof that these are man-made tricks? And the answer is the Bible. If the glory of God was appearing in their church, no one would be cheering and pointing. They would be dead. When God spoke to the people of Israel from Mount Sinai, they were terrified. When the glory of God passed in front of Moses, God put him in the cleft of a rock and covered him because had he seen God in all his glory, it would have killed him. After Moses had been in God's presence, even in this way, his face was so bright people were too afraid to come near him. Hebrews 1 says there was a time when God spoke to us in many ways by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Paul said that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. We know God's glory when the word of Christ is spoken not by manufacturing his presence with cheap tricks. God said this is to whom I will look he who is repentant and who trembles at my word. The Holy 
Holy Spirit is to Bethel Church in Jesus culture, what Jesus Christ is to the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. They believe in a Holy Spirit of their own making, not the Holy Spirit of God whom we see and hear from in the pages of Scripture. Todd White goes up to some people on the street and says the Holy Spirit is telling him one of them has back problems. He does this gag with their feet showing one leg is longer than the other, then he prays to God and makes it look like God is growing out their leg to even it with the other one. He's literally pulling their leg. These men are lying, manipulative charlatans, but I repeat myself. Yet when you try to call them heretics, they have staunch defenders. No, they preach the gospel. They keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, they really don't, but let's for the sake of argument say they did. All this with the glory clouds and street magic they call the Holy Spirit, do you really think God is okay with that? How is that not taking his name in vain? These men do not love the truth, they oppose it, corrupt magicians who are disqualified regarding the faith. Jesus said that we're to worship God in spirit and truth. The Bible says to share the truth in love. If it isn't true, it isn't loving. Paul said to the Corinthians, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we'd commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. There's no question Bethel Church, Todd White, and others that do what they do are false teachers. We're to have nothing to do with them. And that includes their music, which is teaching, false teaching, and they say it's so powerful it's going to induce these things that you can find nowhere in the Bible. It's ridiculous. Why would you promote that? An even bigger problem stems from the theology of Bethel Church and Bill Johnson. Uh, Bill Johnson, of course, was influenced by John Wimber. We saw John Wimber uh, came out of also promoting this with the Vineyard Movement. You can probably slap that in there somewhere. Uh, John Wimber and other uh, false teachers from the Toronto so-called blessing. Uh, He's also an advocate of the New Apostolic Reformation. Again, I'm talking about Bill Johnson here. He teaches that people today are receiving direct words from God. Is that, is that true? Because again, if we were getting direct words from God, then what would we have to produce for the benefit of the church? A new, new testament. But that would be heresy. But that's what they're saying, in essence. Because if that's really from God, we need to write that down and give it to everybody uh, and have a new Bible printed. But that's, that's baloney. He also promotes, this is Bill Johnson in Bethel, the offices of apostle and prophet, which we saw is not true. They believe they're restored to the church. They're going to take over the planet. Uh, and then, obviously, this means that Johnson obviously presents a low view of the scripture and that the Bible apparently must either be insufficient or incomplete uh, if we have to keep adding to it the so-called new words from these so-called apostles and prophets, right? Again, that's the danger in all this stuff is you're downplaying what? Not just while you're singing this music and getting to an altered state of consciousness with bad theology fluff and you got it in the name of Jesus. Okay, but the whole time you're doing that, you're what? You're not here. When you're not in the Bible, how are you gonna find out when you're being lied to? This is the only book on the planet that will unbrainwash us from the lies of the evil one. And it's the only one that exposes what the false teachers are up to. God, he protects his children. He tells us what to look out for in here. But if you're never in here, you'll never know. And people can literally pull your leg, literally. Okay, and you think it's great. Okay, but again, it's not just that. On top of all that, he also says, uh, basically, you don't need to listen to this. Listen to me. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. God told me to tell you. That's, again, the big overarching ongoing throughout a whole 42 weeks of charismatic chaos study. Okay, you're getting outside the Bible, and that's always dangerous. Uh, While, listen, there is much on Bethel's website about spiritual experiences. Quote, there is precious little doctrine. Turn to somebody and say, shocker. Okay, in fact, there's only, quote, hints of the gospel. 
The gospel on their website is never clearly defined. Rather, there is an emphasis on an encounter with Christ. What's that mean? Right? You're not even promoting the because it's not about that. It's about the show. It's not about theology. It's not about doctrine. It's about the show, right? Okay. Bill Johnson's teaching, one guy said, are misguided and imbalanced. At uh, very least, uh, teaches a lot of things that are biblically inaccurate. And uh, I think that's why Paul said this in Romans 16, 17. I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Quote, keep away from them. And dare I say, not just what's coming out of their mouth from the so-called pulpit, pulpit, but what's coming out of their music. Now, again, let me put an analogy there. Okay, would we ever sing as born-again Christians the music from Mormons? I would hope you'd say no, right? And we'd say, well, of course not. He's going to sing Mormon. Mormons, are, they're a cult. They have a false gospel, right? It's a works base. They're not even Christians. They're pseudo-Christians. They're fake Christians. Why would you sing a so-called worship service, a church service from Mormons? That's, that's ridiculous. All right, would you sing a so-called worship song or music that came out of Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, of course not. I was, who, who would, who's going to sing that song? Would you sing a psalm? Hey, and it can get very repetitive from the Catholics, especially when you throw in those Hail Marys over and over again. Uh, you know, Rick Warren likes it. Okay, but as we saw before, unfortunately. Okay, but would you ever sing that? Well, of course not. We would never do that. Then why are you singing this heresy from Bethel? Because it is full of false teaching doctrine. And guess what? They are a cult as well. Okay, as well. That's the issue there. There's legalism. Uh, uh, no. Why, if you're not going to promote Mormon music, Jehovah's Witness music, Catholic music, why are you doing promoting Bethel music? And that's not legalism, folks. That's just being biblically sound which is what we're supposed to be. Now, only got time to hit one more, and that's the other big one that's going on in the church today, and that is Hillsong. Hillsong music, okay, as you can see here. And uh, Hillsong was founded in 1983 in Sydney, Australia, and by, quote, senior pastors, plural, senior pastors Brian and Bobby Houston. What? His wife's a pastor? That's your mistake. We've been seeing again. Uh, that's your first sign that something's wrong. But this is Brian here. I'm not picturing his wife there, Bobby. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, Hillsong is known for, obviously, they're what? Just like Bethel. Y- you may not know quite uh, the false teachings that I'll get to in a second that they're teaching and all kinds of heresy, but you probably heard some of their songs. And so, again, what's the problem? You listen to their songs, and what do you do? Hey, who did this? Where'd this come from? This sounds nice to me. This tickles my ears, right? I got to go find some more. And so you get hooked up with what? Hillsong. You get hooked up with Hillsong, then guess what? Here comes all their false teaching. So why would you promote this if it's going to lead people back to false teaching? Okay, but again, let me get to that. Uh, They're probably known for one of their most popular songs back in 1992, Shout to the Lord. It was a hill song. That was probably one of their big things that helped them to really launch out there, unfortunately. Uh, Besides being Australia's largest church, listen to this, they have locations around the world. Hillsong has campuses in Kiev, London, New York, Amsterdam, Copenhagen, Moscow, uh, Brazil, other cities. They also were originally a part of the Assemblies of God in Australia, uh, but as of 2018, they formed their own denomination. That's how big they are. Uh, But are they a biblical church? Rhymes with no. You want to repeat that? No. Okay, shocker. Uh, on their, quote, statement, what we believe page, okay, is, quote, curiously lacking. 
Okay, let me just give you an example, right? And they, say, they quote this, and what they're doing is they're quoting, not all of it, but they're quoting a portion of Acts 2.42 on their website of what we believe. Quote, we believe in the power and significance of the church and the necessity of believers to meet regularly together for fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. Well, that sounds biblical. Well, the problem is if you go back and read that verse, they deliberately skipped over what also is contained in that verse. Why'd you get that verse of, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking bread and prayer. Why did you specifically say, and what was the apostles' teaching? That's the Bible, right? Why would you specifically gut a verse in what you believe of the section that says uh, we're to teach the Bible? No, because that's not what it's all about. Uh, More obvious concerns we just saw is Hillsong's ordination of women as pastors, okay? Contradiction to scripture, teaching that men, as we saw before, we had whole studies on this, Okay, First uh, Timothy two got that men are to be spiritual leaders in the church. Uh, so Bobby Houston as the co-pastor, but again, it's not just her. That's what they encourage through any quote Hillsong Church that ladies can be pastors as well. But listen to what she said. This is Brian Houston's uh, wife, Bobby, the supposed pastor. She's not. Uh, she said this to the Christian Post in an interview, when it comes to women in leadership, and I quote, she said, the church needs to come of age sometimes and just grow up. No, you need to get back to the Bible and submit to what God says and stop rebelling against his word, okay? Uh, but, but again, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Hillsong not only embraces those false teaching, and again, what's the problem? You listen to their song, you go back to them, you get barfed on with all this false, false teaching. They embrace the, wait, uh, the word of faith movement over here. They're big on that. And let me give you an obvious example. Uh, Mr. Houston here wrote a book, and you know what the name of the book is? Tell me he's not into the word of faith movement. The name of the book is... Dun, 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 dun. You need more money. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh, gee, I wonder if he's in the Word of Faith movement. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> and of course, he promotes the prosperity gospel. So again, another heresy coming out of this as well. Uh, he actually says, poverty is definitely not God's will for his people. Really? And again, we don't have time to go into all the biblical, uh, uh, you know, exposing that's a lie from the pit of hell. Okay, we've already dealt with that. But just to give you one idea, Paul said this in Philippians 2, uh, 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 he's content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, okay, whether living in plenty or in want, okay? Hey, high times, low times, we can be content. It's not just only when you got enough money to buy that Cadillac in the 18th swimming pool, like the Word of Faith false teachers say. No, God will take care of you no matter what you got. That's actually, frankly, something way better than riches, okay? But again, that's a heresy. Hillsong has also been criticized for its leaders uh, reticence to take positions on biblical issues and moral issues, including uh, homosexuality. Now, again, Hillsong, as we saw, they have so-called churches, not just in Australia, right? They have them all over the world, including New York. And I'm going to share with you a clip of the Hillsong New York pastor. His name is Carl Lentz, okay? And I'm going to share with you a couple interviews and watch how he dances around issues of not just homosexuality uh, but issues of that you would think okay everybody can get this one is Jesus really the only way to heaven watch this this is what's coming out of Hillsong right let's take a look how does your message differ we heard Joel Osteen talk about sort of what he preaches his philosophy so what is your philosophy Carl 
Um, well, first of all, I love Joel, and I'm thankful for men um, like him who have paved the way for younger guys like me to um, have an opportunity to do what we do. Um, Joel is a, is a pioneer, and his message of hope is similar to ours. I think I probably am a little bit louder. Um, we have similar tattoos. No, we, Joel doesn't have it. Um, <laughs> And how do you feel about sort of the tolerance issue that I was talking to Joel about? I mean, yeah. I mean, do you guys have positions on, say, gay marriage and things like that? We have uh, a stance on love and everything else. We have conversations. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think a public forum is always the best place to talk about something that's so sensitive and important to so many. Just to play devil's advocate, I mean, do you feel like... That's hard for yeah. you because you're so sweet. <laughs> but, but do you feel like, you know, there, you have a moral imperative to, to speak publicly about some of these more controversial issues? No, because we try to be like Jesus. Very rarely did Jesus ever talk about morality or social issues. So where do you stand on social issues that, that young people are particularly passionate about, like gay marriage, abortion? Like, how do you address those types of things? So we're going to go right there. Yeah, um, I thought we'll go right. hard yeah. and then we'll come down. It's only an hour show. <laughs> so I need to ring that bell? I think our, our job is still to help people not necessarily change how they think, So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? Um, that's the kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from, what Work you believe. Like yeah, I mean, God's the judge. Do you believe that only Christians can be in relationship with God? No, I believe that when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, in the way I read that, Jesus said, he is the, he's the road marker. You even got that one wrong. She flat out asked him, is, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, scratch your head is right. So let's go back to the, what I would say is biblical common sense and consistency that we should be in having as Christians. Would we ever listen to Mormon music that denies Jesus Christ being the only way? Would we listen to Jehovah's Witness music that denies that Jesus Christ is the only way? Would we listen to Catholic music that denies Jesus Christ is the only way? Because you've got to keep the sacraments and a bunch of other stuff. Then what in the world are we doing listening to Hillsong? Hey, this has nothing to do about legalism. Because you know what's going to happen. People's going to listen to that. And they're going to what? They're going to go back. And they're going to find, where's this coming from? And they're going to get sucked into these people that he even denies that Jesus is the only way. And listen, dare I say, if that guy really thinks that Jesus is not the only way, is that guy even saved? You won't even call out homosexuality? You won't even say that abortion is wrong? Come on, these, that's just, that's giving you a softball. That's giving you a bunt. I mean, that's an easy one. That's the easiest pitch you can get. You say, no, no, and yes, Jesus is the only way. That's it, shortest interviews ever. But see, that's not what it's about. It's about the numbers. It's about making people feel good. It's about the show. And you get that with the church growth movement and the new apostolic reformation. So why would I listen, let alone promote Bethel, Hillsong, and dare I say, there's a bunch of others I don't have time to get into. What I'm trying to show you is the biblical paradigm. Do your homework and pay attention to the music that you're listening to, singing as a 
so-called Christian worship music even in the church. And dare I say, if you're listening to this, if you're a worship leader and or a pastor, do yourself and do your congregation a favor and check it out. Do the detective work. You owe it to them, right? Because the last thing you want to do, if you're not going to sing a Mormon music, Jehovah's Witness, and Catholics, don't be singing anybody who's promoting this level of heresy, let alone any heresy, right? And so I'm trying to get you to do your homework because there's unfortunately a bunch of others uh, that are out there. But stir all that together. You take a look. This is all in vogue. This is in race. Did you see how cool he was? I mean, that guy's hip, right? And his glasses got really big and huge and snappy looking hair and whatever. Okay, whatever. I like leather jackets personally, so I'm not going to pick on that. But anyway, so I was like, but again, it's all about the image. It's all about the show. It's all about numbers, right? And you put the, and this, remember, remember, let's go, what did Ephesians 5 say? What did we start off with? When you sing songs in a church, what's it about? It's to be about Jesus because you love him. You're thankful. God, thank you for rescuing me from hell. Thank you for sending your son. And and you mention his name and and it draws your attention on him. It ain't about you. And who cares if you got goosebumps on your goosebumps or uh, that I I feel like swinging from the chandelier. No, it's about Jesus. And it's it's awesome. And you feel inspired. You feel encouraged. And it's biblical. What a concept. It's biblical. It's it's God honoring, God exalting. And mm -mm. it's all this baloney. And then, as we said, God is omnipresent. So he's watching all this stuff, right? I wonder what he thinks of so-called Christian worship as he's watching every church around the world. Maybe he'd say something like this. Let's take a look. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Hmm. You know, if God didn't like that worldly, unbiblical, ungodly, selfish, self-centered worship that Israel got rebuked for by the prophet Isaiah, the real prophet, back when prophets were in function. Do you think he likes it today? What's going on? I don't think so. I think that is a very appropriate response uh, from the Lord. In fact, I will also say that he would draw us right back to 2 Corinthians six seventeen that says, come out from among them and be ye separate, including their music. Why? Because it's full of false teaching 
heresy, bad theology. It's a bunch of fluff. It's a bunch of worldly nonsense. It's all about the show. And it'll seduce people back to these entities that are one of the biggest sewer pipes of false teachings in the last days. But as we close, because this is the big finale, number 42 of the Charismatic Chaos Study, the untold history of the Charismatic Movement. If I were to put a synopsis, I want to put like a capstone on this whole giant study. We've talked about it repeatedly. I've probably talked about it almost probably every single time. One of my biggest concerns with the Charismatic Movement, period, is not just the false teachings, but the idea that really they're encouraging people to not turn to, to not read, and to certainly not follow the Bible, right? Because they say that, hey, we believe in the Bible. But really what they do is they say, I got a word of God outside the Bible. And again, is it any wonder it's full of so many false teachings? But any movement, whether it's Mormons that go outside the Bible, Jehovah's Witnesses that go outside the Bible, the Catholics that go outside the Bible, or the charismatic movement that goes outside the Bible. 100% of the time, when you encourage people to do that, you will not only lead them into heresy, but that's what cults do. And that's how you manipulate people, and it has horrible, dangerous outcomes like it did for this charismatic group who followed this leader that had a word from God. We'll close after this. You know, the term called itself really came to people's attention. For many people, the first time they ever heard the term was back in November of 1978. I'll never forget, I was uh, leaving Manila that morning and I was flying to Singapore and I got on the airplane and people were reading the newspaper and everybody was saying, I can't believe it. How could it happen? And I opened the newspaper and there on the Manila Times, the headlines read, 913 Americans from California commit mass suicide in Jonestown, Guyana. And you remember the cover of Time Magazine that week, The Call of Death telling the story of Jim Jones in the People's Temple in San Francisco. And Jim Jones had moved out to California, established what he called the People's Temple in the Bay Area, gathered a group of followers around him and began to teach that he was the voice of God, he was the prophet of God on earth, that he alone had the truth. And he so convinced over a thousand people here in California that he was the voice of God, the prophet of God on earth. That when he told him to move down to Guyana, British Guyana and South America, and establish a commune called Jonestown, over a thousand people from the Bay Area moved to South America. And we hear on the last tapes where he's telling his followers that he is the Messiah, that he is Jesus Christ himself. And when he told him to drink poison, 913 people from California took Dixie cups and they dipped into that vat of grape Kool-Aid laced with cyanide poisoning. And they gave the poison to their babies and to their children and drank it themselves. And that's that week, Newsweek had on the cover the picture of 900 Americans, their bloated bodies lying in the hot tropical jungle, having committed mass suicide following a man who they believed was the voice of God, the prophet of God on earth. And people said, how could it happen? I mean, how could you have a thousand intelligent Americans from California follow a man and be told to drink poison and they commit mass suicide? 
It was interesting to me that the commander of the U.S. forces who was responsible for going down to Jonestown and cleaning the camp out and bringing the bodies back for burial. When he returned to Dover Air Force Base, he held a press conference. He was a Christian. And I'll never forget one of the things the commander stated. He said, you know, the thing which interested us most about Jonestown, he said, when we cleaned the camp out, he said, we did not find a single Bible in all of Jonestown. There's your answer. How could people literally be led into an occult? By the way, Jim Jones was what? Charismatic. And again, the same verbiage. He's a prophet of God. He's got the voice of God. Listen to him. They got to the point where they listened to him only so much. There was not even a single Bible in that camp that would expose this guy as a heretic and run for your own good. How is that any different? And this is my concern with the major undercore, underpinning, big giant thrust of their movement, of the charismatic movement, you're doing the same thing. And you don't think it's going to have the same deadly consequences? And dare I say, I'll just close with this. That's bad enough the charismatic movement promotes going outside the Bible. What's another trend we're seeing even in the Protestant church today, the so-called evangelical Christian church today? How many of them do you even see Christians coming to services with their Bible? You don't think that's going to have dangerous consequences? You don't think there's not false teachers, fake pseudo-pastors, even in non-charismatic pastors uh, behind the pulpits? They're all over the place. We've seen that before. You need to get back to the Word of God. Not only because it's the right thing to do, it could very well save your life and keep you from a destruction like that. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, 
let's be honest, if you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty, And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy... The person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. 
The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.